Well, welcome to the Bible Caddy Podcast. I'm William Kane, and I'm joined by my buddies Ben Crane and Webb Simpson. What's up, fellas? First hey, one. First one. Man, it's great to be doing this. The Lord is uh, doing a lot of really cool things to lead us to this place. It's really, really fun to get together with you boys. Yeah, I think, you know, we could do kind of a golf and Bible podcast, but after setting this stuff up, maybe we look into doing a tech podcast. What do y'all think? <laughs> You're a gifted technician. There's no no doubt. Uh, I felt I'm like- just impressed we're all wearing the same headphones and we can hear each other. Oh, yeah. I felt like the guy in Zoolander, you know, trying to figure out the files are in the computer. <laughs> I think we should give free gift certificates to the people who listen to this first episode just to get through it, if they listen to the whole thing. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, well, boys, we got a podcast going. Why, why did we want to start doing this? Kind of hit me with your thoughts, Ben. What, what made you want to pursue this? Well, we've just all grown so much in friendship over the last 10 years or so, uh, experienced so much fun together in the golf world, on and off the golf course, and... Really what's brought us together is just the Lord, His Word, and we want to um, bring kind of what the Lord has been teaching us um, through the Word and through friendship uh, to the golf world. And so it's just really exciting to uh, be able to share this with some of our friends. Yeah, no doubt. What about you, Weber? What are you looking forward to with this podcast? Yeah, I mean, I think it's important for the listeners to know that you know, our friendship has gone back so many years. Uh, and a little context, uh, William and I grew up together in Raleigh, North Carolina. William caddy for me my first two years on tour. Ben instantly, um, just by his own admission, and we were the beneficiaries, kind of took William and I under his wing, became a mentor to both of us. Um, and as I look back, I'm so grateful. You know, I got on tour in 09 and you know, he's just been a mentor ever since. So it's, it's, it's fun to think about the three of us kind of getting on here, talking about a couple of things, you know, a couple of our favorite things of the world, which is uh, our faith and a game we all um, can kind of uh, get around, which is golf. So it'll be great. And um, we'll see what the Lord does. Yeah. So we're calling it the Bible Caddy Podcast. Uh, one, it's kind of a combination of the two things that we love. It's got a nice little ring to it. But what we want to do essentially with this podcast is carry the good news about Jesus to the world of golf. That's that's what we're after. We want to bring the right information to people um, about Jesus Christ. And so the way we're going to do it is by doing weekly Bible studies. Um, We'll maybe chat a little, little golf at the beginning of each episode, but then we'll move into a time where we just study a passage in the Bible together. And we walk through it to observe what's in there and to apply it to our own lives. So that's what we're up to, Bible Caddy. And I would say just that William and I both live in Nashville, and we do a couple of weekly Bible studies um, at Brent, one at Brentwood Country Club, and it's just been so fun and so encouraging with some of our friends to jump into the Word together weekly. And this is one of the things that's kind of stemmed out of that is we record a lot of them and send them to our our friends and stuff. And we thought, you know what, let's just record some of these and put them on a podcast. Right. And if we can get the assistant president's cup captain in with us while we do it, <laughs> it's not going to hurt. Added bonus. <laughs> That's right. Okay. So, so let's, let's just start with, um, doing a, a little bit of an introduction. Webb, you got down the road a little bit with kind of 
mine and your background and how we got to know Ben. And But what about y'all's relationship with the Lord? You know, maybe mm-hmm. each guy take three minutes or so mm-hmm. and give us a little rundown of, you know, how you grew up, when you came to know Christ, what difference that, that's made in your life. Webb, why don't you start us off? Yeah, so um, <clears throat> I grew up in a Christian home and was very familiar with all things Christianity. Uh, as a young kid in middle school, high school, even in high school, um, there were certain things that I attended weekly uh, by my own doing. A uh, couple of Bible studies, FCA, Young Life, church on Sundays. And by all accounts, I was what I thought, you know, a pretty good Christian boy. Uh, I go to Wake Forest in the fall of 04. Um, similar kind of Christian uh, habits continue. I did Athletes in Action. I would, you know, go to church on Sundays by myself. Um, but kind of my whole world came crashing down, at, at least my own little world. Uh, my senior year, uh, the girl I'd been dating all through college, who's now my wife, shows up at my house in November and breaks up with me. She was a year older. She had begun working for a faith-based company in Atlanta, Georgia, and the Lord convicted her um, and kind of led her to break up with me. Just our relationship had just been unhealthy. Um, and she told me, she goes, Webb, I want to pursue a relationship with the Lord full throttle. For the first time in my life, I feel like I'm getting to know Jesus and what he did for me. Um, and I don't want anything to get in the way of that. So that moment, um, God, at, looking back, he took away what in my in my mind at the time was just a girlfriend, but what I realized was she was everything to me. And I've learned through the years that when anything other than the Lord Jesus is everything to you, it's going to fail you in some way or another. Um, So that was November. Fast forward six months. I won the ACC championship by six shots, set a record. All was great in the golf world for me. But on Monday morning, back at my house in Winston-Salem, I woke up and I had this gross, empty feeling and I didn't know what it was. And I called a friend of mine who's a pastor in Raleigh, and he basically explained to me that, again, like Dowd, like anything in life that we kind of put up here on a pedestal that we think will make us happy and satisfied, it's going to fail us ultimately. And he said to me something on the phone that I'll never forget. He said, you know, idols or anything that we want in life, let's say, they do one of two things. If you achieve it, if you get it, You'll realize after a while it doesn't satisfy that shiny car gets some scratches on it the house has some wear and tear um and the other thing that an idol will do is if you don't get it if you don't achieve it you'll never stop until you do um it'll never forgive you he said and he said jesus is the only one who can do both he can fully satisfy and he can fully forgive you which is our greatest need right to be fully forgiven of our sins and so that in in summary it was kind of a transition for me that senior of college to where for the first time in my life, I realized, man, I thought I was a Christian my whole life, but I think I was a product of being in kind of a Christian culture where I assumed if I was going to Bible studies, church on Sunday, if I knew the right answers, I must be a Christian. And I realized that's not really what Christianity is all about. Um, It's about a personal relationship with Jesus. It's about, uh, repenting of your sins and embarking on a new journey with them. Um, and that was for me the first time, uh, that, it, that had ever happened. So, um, yeah, been a Christian now, uh, about 15 years. Love it. What about you, Ben? 
Yeah, I also grew up in a Christian home and <laughs> with one brother, and I really was exposed to young life and youth group and went to church. Didn't Certainly didn't read my Bible, but uh, late in high school, um, a pastor at a local church, Ron Mel, befriended me and how he got the membership at Portland Golf Club was he had gone and this pastor had gone and taught at a conference and saved a guy's marriage. And the guy was so elated with joy that he called up his secretary and said, hey, I want to do something. What does Ron like to do? And they said, well, he likes to play golf. And they said, what's the nicest course, you know, close to the church? And they said, well, Portland Golf Club's right around the corner. He said, I'll call you right back pays $40,000, calls right back and says, he now has a membership at Portland Golf Club. Just let him know and tell him, thank you, you saved my marriage. So then I'm playing there. My parents just- uh, Where was the marriage retreat and how can I teach there? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm playing at Portland Golf Club and this pastor- Webb, just let me know if there are any broken marriages at Quail. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> Come on. So we, we end up becoming friends and man, I- I had a bunch of sin and just my life was, I wanted it to look like a rap video, kind of like you, William. Yeah. And uh, he just loved me and just kept preaching the gospel to me and encouraged me. And I started to develop, to develop a real relationship with God. And, the, and then he really did just love me um, and that he would forgive me. And it really wasn't, but I still, I think, believed along the way that it was really about me and it was mm-hmm. really about golf and that if I lived obediently, then God would give me what I wanted, which was good golf and an easy life. And just through my relationship with William, through just the Lord's kindness of just um, a, a book, Prodigal God by Tim Keller, just exposed to me that that God really loved me and was, you know, and, and forgave me for even believing that, you know. Um, that I really thought that this whole thing was kind of, you know, that I could use God to get what I wanted. So really, um, you know, that I was so much like um, the elder brother who, in the prodigal son, who, you know, stood outside and, um, you know, was living dutifully to to earn God's love. So it's been a sweet journey just to um, see the Lord even forgives me of of trying to use him and, and all that. And so really it's just been, uh, we live in Nashville now and, and, um, you know, the Lord has done a lot through the last, I would say 10 years of just really digging into my Bible and just seeing that this is all these stories are one story about, a uh, about God, about Jesus Christ. Um, they're all, all the old Testament stories are pointing to the one great story of a young hero who came, um, to rescue the ones he loved us. And so, it's just there's no greater joy in my life than understanding that Jesus, you know, lived the life I couldn't live and died the death I deserve to die on that cross. Mm-hmm. And so my greatest problem has been solved. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that's part of the reason why I'm just so excited to be a part of this is because of that journey that God's uh, put me on yeah. because of his grace. Yeah. I'm into that. No doubt. Yeah, similar to Webb. Webb and I grew up in the same part of town in Raleigh, both in wonderful families who, you know, were faithful in going to church and loved the Lord. But like Webb, I think, even though I kind of knew from a young age Jesus is the way, um, 
and to a degree intellectually believed it. It wasn't functioning in my life until much later. And like you mentioned, really through high school, as I played high school basketball, I just I wanted my life to be a rap video. You know, I wanted the <laughs> I wanted to be the man. Webb remembers I had this, you know, subwoofer in my trunk. You know, rattled every time I drove down the street. But yeah, just wanted the the life that the world tells a teenage boy is going to deliver. You know, with the stuff and the women and all this stuff. Well, playing AAU basketball, some really good players that went on to go play basketball at Duke, life started to kind of look like a rap video for me. And so I remember one, one night after my freshman year of college, we go down to Miami to party and we're, we're skipping celebrities in line. And, you know, there I am dancing five feet away from Jennifer Lopez, you know, every drinks on the house. And I'm not, I'm not sure why it didn't work out between Jenny on the block and me. But it seemed like it was there for a minute. Um, but I, I'm looking around and I'm looking at my buddies and I basically said to them, like, hey, this is it. We, we've arrived. You know, <laughs> we've made it. <laughs> and uh, just like Webb after the ACC championship, for me, it was the next morning. I woke up and um, just felt so empty the next morning, bankrupt. And I'd gotten everything that I desired. It didn't deliver. And so it really kind of set me back. I'm like, man, well, what is this all about? And for the first time in my life that next week, I started reading the Bible. Um, mm. not, not because it's what a good boy does, not because, you know, I was trying to even earn God's approval, but because for the first time I was really curious for answers, you know. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the more I started reading, I started in the book of Matthew, first book of the New Testament, and the more I read, the more the, the Bible started to read me. And I, I just realized, gosh, um, I think the Bible, um, it, it really is true. And Jesus really is who he says he is. Um, so sometime over that, you know, those next few weeks reading the Bible, everything changed. Um, okay, um, quickly, guys, what has, uh, since you become a believer, just maybe in, 30 seconds. What has the Bible itself meant to you? What we're doing in this podcast is just Bible studies. So what has the Bible meant to you? Webb, you go first. Yeah, a uh, couple of thoughts. I just want to read this quick um, from 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 20 and 21. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Um, and also, it, I think of Matthew 4, Jesus saying that um, that man does not live on bread alone, but every word or from the mouth of God. Um, and, you know, in my life, like a daily and weekly practical way God's word influences me is um, most days in the morning I start with, spending time with God, with reading his word. Um, it's everything to me. It's, um, it's how I commune with God. You know, I think reading scripture, praying God's scripture out loud for myself, for my family, uh, praying to God um, are kind of key fundamentals in the Christian faith. Um, and, you know, it's like spending time with your wife. Like you don't get to know your wife unless you spend time with her. You don't get to know God and what he's like unless you spend time with him. Uh, so yeah, that's every day, uh, you know, maybe 10 minutes and maybe an hour. Um, but I have this kind of feeling inside of me every morning I wake up, like 
I got to start again today fresh. Like I need God to come into my life and help me today. Yeah. Same way your body needs food, that soul needs Correct. nourishing from the Lord. Mm-hmm. What about you, Ben? Yeah, you know, um, one of the things we talk about is that in Scripture, the, the deeper you mine, the greater the treasure. And it's, it is also my greatest joy in the morning waking up. Um, I try to get up before the, the, the family does and get off to a quiet place. Um, and, um, and one of the things that, that I, one of the verses I love, John 15 and 11, I've spoken these things to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. And it really is, the more you read Scripture, and all Scripture is God-breathed, and it's useful in teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training us in righteousness, 2 Timothy 3.16, it's just like it has stood the test of time. It's, mm-hmm. It will last forever. Um, not a dot or iota will will pass away. Everything in Scripture will come true. And, and so... I really like it's where I get my joy. I, my, my joy is really truly in the Lord and that my joy may be full. You know, um, that I have more joy um, when I'm, you know, abiding in and trusting in Jesus Christ and his word. Yeah. Amen. Love it. And, and that's really what we want to offer to the listener is not any of our opinions. You know, like our opinions <laughs> come and yeah. go. They just don't <laughs> matter. They're about as valuable as my golf game at a PGA Tour event. You know, they just they don't count. Um, but the Word of God stands forever. And uh, you right. mentioned Second Timothy three sixteen and seventeen. I'm going to read it. it. Says all Scripture is breathed out by God, and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So what do y'all think the big idea is there when Scripture says it's all breathed out by God? I think it's just God's love letter to us. It's his instruction manual, like, to us. It's His him showing us who he is and what he's done and how to live skillfully. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, and even though it was written by man, like the verse Webb read from Second Peter, the words of Scripture are God's words. It, it's as if He exhaled them. They are His. And because they are His, um, Hebrews 4.12 tells us that Scripture is powerful and active and can pierce into our hearts. And because Scripture is God's Word, Proverbs 30, verse 5 tells us it's all true, even down to the smallest mark, like Jesus said in Matthew 5. Because Scripture comes from God, um, 2 Timothy 3, 14 and 15 tells us that Scripture can make us wise for salvation. And mm-hmm. because it's His, like Webb said, the words of Scripture nourish our souls. They strengthen mm-hmm. us and sustain us. So there's really no book like the Bible. And one of the things that we would want to pass on to whoever's listening is become a Bible person. Like if you do nothing else, just get your nose in there and start reading it and see what it does to you because it accomplishes stuff in your life that's all really, really good. And, and, and one of the things you say, William, is to read slowly, read carefully, and read imaginatively. Yeah. Like, get yourself in, who's the author? Um, who's he writing to? At what, what's going on? What was going on right before this? Yeah. You know, it's just so important to just slow down. Yeah. And we'll get to do all, all of that as we explore Scripture together. Okay, a couple quick things to close, because we did, we're on the natural, the regular Zoom thing. We don't have the Zoom Pro yet, and we got a 10-minute warning about four minutes ago. 
<laughs> that we need to upgrade. We'll get to the Zoom Pro eventually. Yeah, we're, we're getting there. Um, but one more thing that Scripture does that is hugely important um, is that Scripture reveals God. And so if one of you guys could just quickly read John chapter 17, verse 3. Really important verse. Um, John 17, 3. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Okay, what, what's the idea here? I think it's that this is how you, first of all, get eternal life. Um, is by knowing Jesus Christ. And he's the only one. There, there's no other like him. There's no other that stands beside him. Yeah. Go ahead. And it, it, it makes me think that I think we're in a day and age where, um, you know, kind of universal universalism or many ways to God is, is more popular than ever. Um, but here's Jesus does two things. And I think this speaks to it a little bit. Um, He's inclusive in the sense of if anyone wants to come to know him into a relationship with him, all are welcome. Mm -hmm. All are welcome. Mm -hmm. But he's exclusive in the sense of he, in his own words, says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so you have this beautiful kind of uh, two-part thing there where he, he is open arms, welcome to anyone. He wants a relationship with anyone who wants a relationship with him. Um, but he's very clear about there is one way to be right with God, and it is through me. Um, and I think John's speaking to that here. Exactly. And, and the reason he can say that is because of who he is, right? He's not just another man like us. He's not a good teacher among many good teachers. He is uniquely the Son of God. So one of y'all flip back to the beginning of John's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 18. Huge statement here that tells us about the identity of Christ. And here's... Here's why we're going here. So we read in John 17, 3, this is eternal life, that they know you, the one true God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent, which establishes there's, there's nothing more important than knowing God. But there, here's the problem for us. If God is invisible, if he's unseen, how are we going to ever get to know him? The only way for us to get to know him would be for him to reveal himself to us. Mm, he's got right. to show himself to us. So how does he do it? John 1, 18. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Okay. So John says here, here's how you get to know God. You get to know God by looking at Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the only God who has become flesh, chapter 1, verse 14 tells us, and makes God known. He reveals who God is. Colossians 2, verse 9 says the same thing later in the Bible. It says, in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. It's like a very fancy way of saying all of God is in mm -hmm. the man, Jesus Christ. If you want to know what God's like, look at Jesus. Okay, now here's the good news for us and why we go to the Bible. God has not simply revealed himself in Christ and then gone away forever. Um, God has revealed himself in Christ and then recorded that revelation in the Bible so that Scripture itself reveals Christ. Scripture tells us who he is and what he's like so that we can really know him. So uh, one more verse to look at before we wrap up this first episode. One of y'all turn to John 5, 39 and 40 and read those verses. Quick context is uh, Jesus is doing all kinds of wonderful things and he's becoming more and more of a problem for the religious leaders. And 
so he kind of calls them out um, as he's testifying to who he is. And what does he say in John 5, 39 and 40? All right, John 5, 39 and 40. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. Okay, so what's the enormous claim that Jesus makes here? You think, basically, John's telling the Pharisees, he's telling the people, look, you think that the scriptures are the ones that give you eternal life, but it's me. I'm the God. I'm the Yahweh that you've been looking for. Yeah. And, and who does he say the scriptures are about? He says they're all about me. Can you imagine a guy who comes on the scene <laughs> into a land full of experts in the scripture mm. and makes the claim, Oh, by the way, this book you've been studying is all about me. Uh-huh. It's a crazy claim. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And th- this is why C.S. Lewis famously said, he's either a liar, he's a lunatic, or he's the Lord. You know, you can't just think Jesus is a good moral teacher. That doesn't get it done. Right. So here he comes saying, the scriptures are all about me. And we've come to believe, crazily, that they really are. And so what we're going to do um, in our study this fall is look at what the scriptures have to say about Jesus Christ so that we can get to know him, so that we can have the eternal life that he promises. Um, and here's how we're going to do it. We're going to do a little series called Meet Jesus. And we're going to look at a different interaction that Jesus has in the Gospel of Luke each week in order to see who he is and what he's like. And, and here's the great news for us. Hebrews 13 verse 8 tells us that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. And so here's the awesome implication of that. This Jesus who we read about is alive in heaven, and he's the same now as he was when he walked, walked the earth. And that means for us that the same way that he related to people that we're going to see in these interactions, the same way that he cared for them, the same way that he had compassion on them, the same power and authority and goodness. It's all the same today as it was then. And what we see in these pages is what we're going to be able to expect of him in our own lives. And really our hope is for those who don't know the Lord yet, that you might come to know him. And for those who do, that you would just get to know him better and better. Amen. So, All right, last word goes to you boys. Thoughts? Well, I'm super excited as well. And, you know, I had this thought earlier. Um, there was a man by the name of Lee Strobel, and he was a journalist, and he set out to disprove the resurrection, disprove that all these words in Scripture. And upon trying to disprove it, he ended up coming to the conclusion that, based on his evidence, that it must be real, it must be true. Um, and so I just look forward to as William said, studying interactions Jesus had with people um, and, and see the power and the life-changing principles and life-changing news that are just littered throughout Scripture. So I'm excited. Yeah, I just think of Matthew 11, 28 to 30, just when Jesus just says, it's just the greatest, sweetest invitations. Come to me, all you who are heavy laden and need a rest. You know, take my yoke upon you. For I'm gentle and lowly in heart. And it's just like this, wherever you're at in your life, Jesus just says, you don't need to clean up. You don't need to get it together. In fact, the ones who don't have it together are the ones that are very qualified to just come. That's right. And so 
wherever you're at, I think it's just Jesus is saying, hey, just come and I'll, I'll give you what, exactly what you need. And he knows what we need better than we do. So it's just yep. a, a, a sweet invitation. Love it. Well, let's, let's close out. Thank the Lord for our time. Father, thanks for, for friendship. Thanks for your word. Thanks for what you've done in our lives. And Lord, as we look to your word, um, I pray that you would use your word to bear much fruit in our hearts and in the hearts of whoever listens. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. 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 All right, boys. See you next time. See you.